Uh, well, it's a well-established fact between Joe and I that I have a terrible sense of direction. Uh, I am the one in our relationship who needs to turn the map around to face the direction I'm heading in. I can't handle, can't handle it when Google Maps is, you know, we're driving down the screen. I've got to get it flicked around. So I'm breaking the stereotypes of the male-female map reading thing. It's a bit embarrassing, really, because I'm a drafty by trade, so I used to draw maps and yet I can't read them. Um, I think my internal compass is actually broken. Uh, I guarantee that if I'm not sure which way to go, then I will invariably choose the wrong direction. Uh, much to Joe's amusement or frustration, depending how late we are. Uh, I don't know what you're like with directions, uh, but when we come to living out life as a follower of Jesus, uh, our Heavenly Father knows that we all need clear directions with pictures. Uh, so that we don't get lost, so that we don't get confused. And so that's why we have the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation gives clear direction. In fact, uh, I reckon Revelation is the best book ever written on discipleship. The best book written for growing followers of Jesus. Now at this point you might be thinking that directions are not the only thing I get confused with. Uh, I imagine... Uh, Imagine saying, that, uh, imagine saying that Revelation makes everything clear. Imagine that. Uh, for many in our church, it seems that this has not been your experience. I think chatting to people in our church uh, as we've been preparing for Revelation, many people have expressed uh, concern, um, have shared experiences in the past where it wasn't, uh, it wasn't encouraging, things weren't clear. Uh, it seems that for many... Uh, the book of Revelation is the most inappropriately named book in the whole history of books being named. Uh, Revelation means making things clear. But when you read it, uh, some people, no idea. Well, what's going on? We've got dragons, beasts, psycho grasshoppers. Uh, we've got strange numbers, strange events, strange beings. I wonder what the Greek word for confusion is. Maybe that should be the name of the book. Uh, but if, if that is you... Uh, then actually this morning I just want to give you a big warm pastoral hug. If, if Revelation scares you, I want to give you a big warm pastoral hug. And come and see me after the service if you like and I'll give you a hug. Um, but maybe, maybe it's not the book that scares you, maybe it's living in this broken world. Maybe it's trying to plot a course as a follower of Jesus in a world where, I don't know, words change, don't they? And uh, ideas change. Yeah, truth, truth changes. Now, there are things now that we're not allowed to say or not allowed to express or even not allowed to think in a way. Uh, how do we navigate a landscape like that? Well, that's why we have the book of Revelation. Uh, the world where rules and words are always changing can be scary, but Revelation will help us to plot of course, and it's always good when you've got clear direction, isn't it? Now, Joe and I were visiting a growth group the other uh, few weeks ago uh, at Dana and Brendan's place, actually, and uh, it was dark and it was raining and we got there late because everything was twisty and dark and I couldn't see and I've got a terrible sense of direction. Uh, we eventually got there, but initially we had the wrong street with the right number. Uh, and it was getting frustrating. Oh, I need to be there at a time, but I just haven't, I need a better, I need a better map. That was, I was blaming the tools. 
Maybe you feel like that trying to live as a follower of Jesus in this world, that you need a better map. Well, what I want you to begin to understand from this morning, from uh, Revelation 1, is that Revelation does provide direction. We can have confidence. We can have confidence. It gives us a a behind-the-scenes peek as we seek to live as followers of Jesus in this world. It is a spoiler alert for the end of this world and the glory that is to come. It's telling us what's going to happen. It's a good spoiler alert. It's a book of directions with pictures to keep God's people from getting lost or confused or diverted or scared as we navigate this broken world as followers of Jesus. So I do believe... I do believe that Revelation is the best discipleship book ever written. That was a good question, wasn't it, for the kids' church uh, to ask uh, on the, as they were going out, uh, to ask your kids this afternoon, uh, why should we read the book of Revelation? It's a good question, isn't it? Why should we? Well, let me say we should read it because there we find that God blesses his people. There we find that Jesus loves his people and there we find that you'll, you'll, you'll know the final score. Let's take a look. Revelation 1, uh, God blesses his people. We see this in verses 1 to 3, but let me read 1 and 2, follow along. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything that he saw, That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So God has given Jesus this revelation, this unveiling, to show followers of Jesus, Jesus' servants, followers of Jesus, what must unfold, things that must soon take place. That's verse 1, isn't it? It's uh, from God to Jesus, to show Jesus' people, followers of Jesus, what must soon take place. Jesus passed it on via heavenly messenger to the apostle John, sent his angel to John. And we are reading it here today because in verse 2 we see that John has testified to everything that he saw. Uh, He has obediently, accurately and fully written it down. Now understand that there is nothing unusual about this process. In fact, this is in line with how we have the the whole Bible. This is how God works. God wills it, Jesus speaks it, and messengers declare it. Uh, That's what's happening here. That's what happened at the beginning of creation, as uh, Luke was saying, uh, that God willed creation in in Revelation 4. You are worthy, our Lord, to receive glory and honour and power because through your will, everything that was created has been created and has its being. So God willed it, but we also see that Jesus is the agent of creation that it was through him and for him that all things were made. So God willed it, Jesus spoke it, he is the word that brings things around, and messengers declared it. And so in Psalms and Job of creation, we read that the angels and the planets declared God's glory as they watched on at creation. It happened in the Gospel of John as well, that uh, we read, Jesus says, I have come to do in all... uh, I have come to say and do all the things that the Father has given me to say and do. And then John faithfully declares it. So we have the Gospel of John. So all I want you to see is that Revelation is not something strange and different, which is quite apart from the rest of the Bible. It's actually very consistent. And what we'll see is that there's nothing new in Revelation. 
Uh, these are not new concepts. It leans heavily on the Old Testament. In fact, as you read through Revelation, it should be taking you back to the Old Testament. And it, so it leans heavily on the Old Testament and is completely consistent with the new. So there's, there is nothing new. Uh, it is given for our good to show us what must soon take place. Uh, to use Luke's words, uh, this little phrase is like a hyperlink uh, to the Old Testament. Uh, in fact, it hyperlinks us straight back to Daniel 2 and a vision given to Nebuchadnezzar, which Daniel uh, interpreted for him because God gave him the interpretation. Uh, this, uh, this is what will, this is what must happen. And that could sound scary, couldn't it? It could sound like uh, the message of Revelation as we read through it and all these strange beings and strange things are happening. It could be scary. Uh, in fact, one guy at Growth Group was commenting the other morning that uh, when he was growing up, when he was a young fellow, he was really scared when he read Revelation because he, he didn't quite understand how to, how to read it. And all these things sounded horrendous. Uh, but it's not to scare us. In fact, it communicates that God is in control. God can show us what's going to happen because this is the unfolding work of his plan, his eternal plan. God can show us what happens because he knows where, where this is all going. Uh, it is his kingdom which will be seen to be the true and lasting kingdom of power and glory. That's what that little hyperlink is getting to. It is God's kingdom which will be the true and lasting kingdom of power and glory. Now, if that's true, just as kind of a, an aside, it will be very dopey of us to choose to identify or to be shaped by another kingdom, wouldn't it? If God's kingdom is the kingdom that's going to come in power and glory and be the everlasting kingdom, why would we be shaped by another? So this is given to us to help us to, to trust in God, to, uh, to head his way, to live according to his kingdom, that while we wait, our faith might be strengthened and refined and that might come through suffering, and that might sound scary. And in fact, no one wants, really wants to suffer. But it's for a period of time. It's for a short time. And it is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. When we will live in the unveiled presence of our glorious Lord and King. Looking forward to that day? That would be a good day, wouldn't it? Revelation is not written so that we can know every exact detail of what's to come. Not the, it's not Nostradamus. Remember Nostradamus? Not Nostradamus. But these things are given for us to understand the times in which we live, the kingdom which we're a part of, and where it's all heading. Now study, they tell me, strengthens the mind through discipline in learning, uh, learning things. Uh, the gym strengthens our muscles from going along and working out. Revelation will strengthen our faith and our perseverance. That is its goal. It is the best book for discipleship, for growing followers of Jesus. It is a blessing and for our blessing and our strengthening. Take a look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Reading and hearing 
remind us that this whole book is a letter, a circular letter to churches in the time of John when he's writing. Uh, this reflects the practice of the church in those days, a bit like us. We're reading a letter from an apostle at a church gathering. But reading and hearing is not a spell or not an incantation. You know, if you read it aloud or hear it spoken, then something magical happens. That's what, not what it's talking about there. It is a compass for navigating life in a compromised world. The blessing comes to those, verse 3, who take it to heart or who, um, who keep it, who shape their life according to what is written. So discipleship is discipline. Discipleship is discipline. There is, that's where the blessing is found. It's a gym membership, but not like most people use their gym membership. You know, they sign up, but then they don't turn up. Anyone here like that? In fact, the whole gym industry is built on that fact. People sign up, pay their money, and then they don't turn up, so they don't use the equipment. But you need to turn up. That's what it's saying. Blessed is the one who reads and keeps, uh, who reads and hears and keeps, takes it to heart. Revelation is a call to action. It's for you, it's for our instruction, it's for our blessing, so that we might be found to be overcomers. That's a term that we'll come across throughout Revelation, to be overcomers, those who persevere to the end. Disciples who persevere in this life to inherit the next. The prayer that I've been praying is that this book would be significant in the life of our church. Uh, that the message of this book would, uh, would hit home. Uh, it would bring change to the way we live, the way we think. Um, I've been asking that God would do a great work through this book. And can you please join me in that prayer? As you're praying over this term, ask that God would speak to us through his word, that he would encourage us as his disciples, that he would bless us that we might experience in ourselves and that we would see it in others an increasing depth of maturity and faith in the risen Lord Jesus. That people, you and I, would be making decisions to live gospel-shaped lives as we navigate a broken and compromised world. That we would grow as followers of Jesus through the blessing of this letter which he has given us. So don't be scared. God blesses his people. Secondly, don't be scared because uh, God offers grace and peace to his people. We see that in verses uh, uh, 4 and 5. From verse 4, we understand that this letter is to all of God's people for all time. So we take a look at verse 4. It's from John. It's to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Let me say that there were more than seven churches in the province of Asia and there were more than seven churches who needed encouragement or correction in the time of John's writing. Uh, but what we see is that the, the number seven is symbolic throughout the whole Bible and especially in Revelation. Uh, when we were living in Ballina, our family home, the, number, uh, the street number of our family home was number 10. And now that we're living in Mitchelton, the street number of our family home is number 10. Number 10 for us has become a symbol of home. It's a reference to home, number 10. It'd be like Downing Street in... in. <laughs> But note here that uh, seven is a reference number. Uh, it, is, uh, it is to the seven churches. A revelation is for the original readers, yes, 
it, and it was clear to them, it made sense to them as they were reading through it, it applied to them, but it's also for all the churches in the last days. It's also for us. That seven is used in, in the way to capture that idea that this is for all churches of all, all these last days, the days between Jesus' ascension and his return. So don't be scared. This message is for you. And the message is grace and peace. Do you see that? Look, verse 4b, grace and peace to you. That's generally not what people take from Revelation, is it? If you ask people, what do you, what do you get from Revelation? Would they say grace and peace? And yet this is, what God is, this is the message of God, grace and peace to you. Uh, there's a, and, and what we find here is that the foundation of that grace and peace is immeasurably, is immeasurable. Um, there are a few houses being built just up near where we live. And what I notice is they take ages and ages and ages to get the foundations right. A lot of work goes into building the foundation because my understanding that in the whole process of the build, if you haven't got the foundation right, no matter how well you build the house on top of that, it's just not going to work. Uh, so here's our foundation. Here's our foundation for confidence. Here's the foundation of our grace and peace. And we read that the foundation is the nature of God and his love revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take a look. Grace and peace to you from him who is and was and is to come. Grace, grace and peace to you from the God who is. Someone said we shouldn't talk about whether or not we can prove that God exists. He doesn't exist. He just is. Because there was never a time where he wasn't. And there'll never be a time where he will not be. Uh, we, we pick that up again, like the, the God who is and who was. Uh, did you read about the James Webb telescope during the, during the week? They got some great images of comeback. And um, I think the telescope's the size of a truck, someone said. It's just amazing technology, amazing images. They're claiming that they're looking back 13 billion years, I think. And you know what they see when they look back 13 billion years? God's fingerprint. He was already there. If they doubled the magnification, God would still be there 26 billion years ago. He'd still be there. Uh, it's attesting to the nature of our God. It's fantastic, isn't it? Uh, here we read that the, the foundation of our, our, of our grace is based on the nature of our God. He is the eternal God. He is. There never was an instant where he wasn't is, which is bad grammar but good theology. It blows our mind if we try to comprehend that, doesn't it? But one day we will see him as we are fully as we are able. Because it says who was, uh, who is, who was. And notice how John changes the language a bit here. Um, you'd expect who will be forever but he says who is to come the one who is coming back for us he is he was he's coming back we will see him our faith we live by faith now but one day we will live by sight now, the same people who built the telescope generally tell us that there is no god in fact they're, they're trying to find proof that there isn't uh, they say our faith is useless but one day our faith will be seen to be sure. It's a great foundation, isn't it? That's the foundation of our, of our grace and peace. 
It's from the seven, uh, uh, this is also uh, from the seven spirits. So talking about the Holy Spirit, that will become clearer later on. But again, notice it's picked up the, the number seven, the complete, the perfect spirit. The spirit um, dwells uh, in, by, in, before the throne. But we know as followers of Jesus also that the spirit also dwells within us. That's how God lives with us. His spirit is in us. And from Jesus, verse 5, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. The true wisdom, the true power, the true authority. That is Jesus. That's the description there, isn't it? If we follow him, we will overcome in this broken world. And then notice here, uh, we go on to have a look in verses 5b. Uh, So from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Notice this, we have one of our foundations is built on the eternal nature of God, who he is, our our one God, three in one, Father, Son and and, uh, Spirit, and also on the fact of God's love for us displayed in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Uh, The reason we can come before God in confidence is because of Jesus, isn't it? That's what verse 5b is saying. He, uh, to him who loves us, he has freed us from our sins by his blood. He has paid the cost of our rebellion and our sin. He has appeased the anger of God against our rebellion. We are free to come before God. We are now declared to be his people. We're going to see that in just a minute. Well, verse 6, take a look at it now. And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve God his Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So do you see what's happening? The eternal God has sent his Son to pay the price of our sin and our rebellion to make us now part of his kingdom, the kingdom that will come in full power and glory and overcome every other kingdom, and we are his priests, his special set-apart people. That is us. That is the foundation of our grace and peace. And think about this. If while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, now that we are his children, what is there that he will keep from us? What is there that he will keep from us? Nothing. Nothing. I, grew, I spent my life hating cats. Um, I was not a cat person. Uh, but my daughter, our daughter has moved back in home and she brought a cat with her. And now I kind of like cats because <laughs> I'm a big softy. Uh, I love my daughter. Well, God, I'm not saying God's a big softy, but he loves us. He will not keep anything from us. Revelation is given to, to help us to understand that truth. Uh, to live it out. So let me ask you, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you take Jesus at his word? Have you repented of your rebellion and your sin? Because unless you do that, there is no assurance in this book for you. Uh, Like in uh, Queensland, you can do U-turns at traffic lights. You're not allowed to do that in New South Wales, get in trouble. But here, you're going one way, 
then you can buzz around and then you go the other way. That's repentance. Uh, repentance is just going the other way, doing a U-turn. You weren't following Jesus, now you are. The thing about U-turns is that it's quite obvious. If you do a U-turn where you're not allowed to do a U-turn, a policeman pull you up because he's seen, it, he's seen in actions, isn't it? It's not just the thought of doing a U-turn. Uh, I want to say that repenting, a 180-degree turn in following Jesus will result in action. It will be seen in the way you live your life. It's just not a once-in-the-past a once claim that you follow Jesus. It is a whole life. So our repentance must be reflected in the way we live, a gospel-shaped life. You see, in verse 6, we are, we are now a kingdom. of a kingdom. We are priests, priests to God. Uh, we live to declare his glory, to bring worship and honour to him. We are priests. So our claim must match our life. All right. And one day, verse 7 and 8, one day every knee will bow, every eye will see, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Do you see that in verse 7 and 8? Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Uh, so every eye will see and, every tongue, and every, uh, even those who pierced him, those who are actively rejecting him as king, and all the peoples of the earth, which is like a little code in Revelation for people who don't follow Jesus, people who just inhabitants of the earth, uh, they will see him. There will be a day when Jesus is seen by all. But it will be a happy day for us as followers of Jesus. But for them, it will be a day of mourning and wailing because eternal punishment for their rejection of the one true king will begin seems to me we should be a church who, not only proof, living proof of a loving God, but people who point other people to Jesus so that on that day uh, they won't be mourning, they won't be wailing. But the point is, don't be scared. <clears throat> Revelation is a blessing. Uh, the foundation of our grace and peace is immeasurable. And finally, don't be scared. We know the final score. In verse 9, we read that, God, uh, that John received this vision while he was on the island of Patmos, uh, verse 9. And uh, I read in the paper during the week that um, Brooks, Cannon Brooks, you know, the Australian entrepreneurs, they bought an island, a luxury island during the week for a stupid amount of million dollars. Um, other people who can't afford to buy, buy islands go to the Greek islands for holidays. And my sister went there. She said it was lovely. Um, Patmos is not that sort of island. No. Patmos is more like Alcatraz in its heyday. It's kind of a prison island, a bit like Tasmania. But, um... <laughs> Sorry to any Tasmanians. Um, John is on the prison island because he's been telling people about Jesus. Uh, the world was hard for first century, the first century church. Things were scary. You could lose your business. You could be, uh, be fed to hungry wild animals or you could be sent to a prison island. Uh, it's estimated uh, that today there are 400 million persecuted Christians in our world today, the most of any point in history. We should be praying for those guys. 
so it's not that things won't be confronting for followers of Jesus. So when I say don't be scared, um, I'm not saying that life is going to be easy. I'm not saying that things won't happen. Um, and maybe you're experiencing some of that in your life. But in a way, John is living out the message of Revelation. So verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's, been, he's chosen Jesus over Caesar. He's chosen suffering over comfort. He's pointed people to the way of life, which has meant that he is now in exile. In verse 10, we read that it was a Sunday, 10 and 11. It was a Sunday, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he heard a voice behind him instructing him to write a letter to the seven churches. And in verse 12 uh, and down to 16, he turned to see the voice and he cops an eyeful of Jesus, doesn't he? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? John might be in exile, uh, but Jesus is with him. As you cast your eye over these verses, you notice some weird and wonderful descriptions of Jesus. And I wonder if the Kids in kids' church are now drawing pictures of Jesus based on these verses. Some of you are going to have some very interesting art on your fridge during the week. But all of these attributes are taken from the Old Testament. John is trying to use earthly language to describe a, a heavenly vision. He uses like, the word like, about uh, seven times in this section. And in verse 8 he uses it again. So there's about eight times he uses the word like. It's like this. I can't really describe it, but this is what it's like. Uh, so like, let's take a look at verse 12 uh, to 16. Cast your eye over it. Uh, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. We're going to learn that the lampstands signify the church. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. A Son of Man, that's a reference back to Daniel, Daniel 7, another hyperlink uh, back into the Old Testament. Uh, Someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. So it's a very priestly robe. It's a, a kingly, priestly vision. The hair of his head was white like wool, white as snow. Uh, so signifying um, ancient uh, um, eternity and wisdom. Um, again, this is old, all Old Testament um, imagery. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice like the sound of rushing waters so the picture of power and in his right hand verse 16 he held the seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance uh, we're going to take a look at these attributes more closely later because they get repeated later in the letter but just understand, this is not an identical photo of Jesus. You know, John's not sitting down with a police sketch artist trying to describe what Jesus would look like if you're going to hold up a picture. That's, that's not what he's doing. He's capturing our imagination. He's conveying the sense of his glory, his eternity, his wisdom, his power, his rule, his divinity. It's emotion. He's capturing our emotions to, to get us thinking in this way. And this otherworldly vision absolutely floors John. Take a look at verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Boom. I've talked to people in the past who have said, when I get to heaven, I am going to give Jesus a piece of my mind. No, we're not, are we? 
We're not. We will be flat on our face. It's not how it works. Uh, but here Jesus gives... It's not that John gives Jesus a peace of mind. Jesus gives John peace of mind, doesn't he? Take a look at verse 17. I fell so I was as dead. Then Jesus placed his right hand on me. Look at this. Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, uh, what is now and what will take place. Peace of mind to the follower of Jesus. Jesus has conquered death. He has the keys, that is the authority over death and the afterlife. Death cannot separate his followers from him. He has the keys. The very worst thing our enemy can do to us is kill us, and that is just the doorway to glory. It's amazing, isn't it? The worst thing the world can deal out to us, and it's the doorway to glory. Do not be scared. Understand who Jesus is. Take faith in him. Polycarp, a famous follower of Jesus, was threatened with being burned at the stake unless he renounced Jesus. I'm not renouncing Jesus. To put it, you threaten me with glory? That's a very abbreviated response. But you threaten me with glory? And see that Jesus is the one who walks among the churches, the lampstands. He is directing and protecting. We are safe in his hand under his attentive care. While I was on leave, I got a text message from Craig Hayes. You know, Craig, uh, he was watching... Uh, my footy team is the Sharkies, Cronulla Sharks. Go the Sharkies. Um, uh, Sharkies, they were playing the Storm. And he texted me, he said, are you watching Sharkies destroy the Storm? And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't. So later on I went home and I turned on KO and I called up the game and I watched it. And I've got to say, it changed the way I watched the game. It was fantastic. I already knew the score. I already knew the outcome. The Sharkies are going to win. Which just made, when I'm watching it, if Melbourne Storm made a break through the Sharkies' defensive line, it's not going to change the outcome of the game. If, if Sharkies knock the ball on, I don't care. Not going to change the outcome of the game. I already know the score. Changes the way you play, doesn't it? It changes the way you watch. And it changes the way you live this life. If you already know the score as a follower of Jesus, we know how it ends. It is for our blessing. Even if the ride on our destination gets rough, don't be scared. Follow Jesus. When I was studying and my dad used to redirect mail to uh, my address, he never wrote a note in it. He just put an envelope, sent it. That was it. And I thought, oh, wouldn't mind a note. Anyway, so when my kids, when I had kids and they were off studying and I redirected mail, I always put a note in there, blah, 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 love mum and dad. Uh, if you meet my daughter, you'll see that on her arm she has got tattooed in my handwriting, lots of love, mum and dad. And it's from one of the letters I sent her. And um, yeah, it's kind of nice. <laughs> her mum wasn't happy about the tattoo, but um, <laughs> She has taken an expression of my love for her and inked it on her arm. That's the book of Revelation. It's a note from our Heavenly Father expressing his love for us so that we will not be scared. A note to inscribe on our hearts.